Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 88 of the Zus Show. I hope you guys have been enjoying a very, very, very fun-filled restart of the NBA season. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. I said, can I get an amen? Glory. <laughs> so, glad that you guys are back. You know, today's going to be another uh, fun-filled episode again. Um, I was talking to one of my my friends a little earlier. I said it's it's been kind of weird because ever since the season got put on hold, it's been like a little bit of news incoming. You know what I'm saying? First we started with, oh, it's a pandemic. Then, damn, you know, brutality. Then, damn, MJ. And now, you know, we heard about the league coming back. It's finally back. So it's kind of weird now, like, it, since it's not quite live, we're still up to date at the same time, but it's weird trying to get back into the swinging thing as well, too, but that's dope. Um, but before we get into today's hottest topics, I want to rehash last week's episode. On, so on episode 87, it was your boy, Cersei's and traded XXIV. We discussed a couple of different topics. Um, you know, Sabonis getting injured uh, with his foot, Lou William and Magic City, which... Uh, did pretty well. Uh, early preseason impressions, uh, life in the bubble, and our NBA awards as well, too. Um, so, you know, I, I'm ready to get into it. So before we get into today's hottest topics, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my boy, for my poke, my, my, <laughs> Before we get into today's hottest topics, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my boy, my co-host, Trade Day XXIV. What it do, baby? You already know. What's up, everybody? Um... You know, shout out to you out there, the listeners, the first, the last time, and uh, everybody in between, man. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, a lot of good topics for you guys in store today. The NBA is back, a little soothing for your minds with everything going on with life, all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. Amen. Let's get into these topics. Amen. Amen. You heard me. All right. First and foremost, NBA opening night kicked off. Uh, we had two good games, like I told you before. It was the Pelicans versus the Utah Jazz. Um, I still don't know why Zion didn't play um, the full game, but we'll get into that a little later. And then obviously, you know, we had to we had to uh, you know top it off with you know the Battle of L.A. Clippers and Lakers going out as well too. But not even going into those games, you know, yeah. um, it was pretty good to see how the NBA put the product together. So um, everyone had their Black Lives Matters tee. Mm-hmm. Um, they're warming up with that as well too. And um, right before they started the game, players were basically. Um, you know, shown on the television. So they had like a little promo video of the movement and with everything's going on. So um, basically different players got interviewed and uh, they're basically telling us, you know, what the movement's about, what it's like to be black and what we have to do to, you know, continue the movement going as well too. And then what was dope about it was right after that happened, um, you know, while they're, you know, singing the national anthem, the players, um, you know, took a knee. So it was great to see them knee as well too. And, you know, after the game, LeBron had a couple words to say. And he said, I want to always speak out against things that I feel that um, that are, like, unjust. I always want to be educated on things and go about it that way. Um, LeBron also added that Cat was someone who stood up when times weren't comfortable, when people didn't understand. People refused to listen to what he was saying. If you go back and go look at any of his postgame interviews when he was talking about why he was kneeling, it had absolutely nothing to do with the flag. It had absolutely nothing to do with the soldiers, the men and women that keep our land free, he explained that. And the ears were closed. People never listened. They refused to listen, but I did. A lot of people in the black community did listen, and we just thank him for him sacrificing everything that he did to put us in a position today. Even years later, to be able to have that moment like we had tonight as well, too. Um, Then he also said, I respect our team's unified act of peaceful protest for social justice and under these unique circumstances will not enforce our long standing rule requiring standing during the playing of the national anthem as well, too. That was actually Adam Silver as well. So it's pretty dope to see, like I said, the final product coming together, how progressive the NBA is. And like you said, when we're off air, this is the best sport um, in the world, in my opinion. Obviously, soccer is soccer, but at least for us uh, Americans, to me, this is the best sport. And like I said, we're just very progressive. And, and our commissioner, Adam Silver, gets it. You know what I'm saying? How often can you see the players' union um, and upper management or whoever, uh, you know, just being able to collaborate and bring out something that's great? So um, I like what they're doing. And it's just kind of crazy 
going back to 2016 when he was kneeing, like the majority was really hating on that movement. Yeah. And the first thing that they thought about was disrespecting the flag. And when he tried to explain himself, they were just very dismissive, exiled him from the NFL. And um, you're not out to see, you know, everything come back years later with everything that's went on these past couple months. I would hope the majority understands why this was something that was needed um, as well, too. But any, any, anything you have to add uh, to, to any of that? Um, no, I think uh, first, uh, shout out to the league and all its uh, contributors. Um, just everything that's involved with the league. Uh, you know, for me, if anybody, you know, follows the show on a weekly basis, uh, I was in between for a restart at this time where we are right now. Um, I think, again, when we put something on a pedestal, you have to hold it accountable. And I think the league is really checking a lot of its boxes when it comes to this stuff, you know, supporting the, you know, the minority of this country uh, that makes up a majority of its league. And it's pouring into them so it can, uh, they can in turn pour back out and use their platform to use it and affect their communities and affect social change um, and just affect this climate and this this little, you know, this place where we are as a country um, and, you know, kind of affect and change kind of the places they came from and, and different things like that because a lot of these guys get it out the mud very, very truly. Um, so shout out to Lee for being able to, allow them to use their voice, use their platform uh, to speak a message. Uh, we have great role models in the league like LeBron James, great who is, uh, you know, damn near, you could give him greatest of all time for what he does off the court as much as he does on the court as well. Um, class act and then people following that league um, would just do a little different things, did different explanations. And I think, um, you know, even if people have different routes to take to get it's the same goal, and uh, you know everybody has their why or their their method to doing it. But it's it's really dope to see uh, again best sports league in the world, definitely in the nation. Um, shout out to Adam Silver, Silver, right? Silver, Silver, yeah. Uh, for yeah. just yeah, um, tongue tied. Um, for just doing everything uh, in his power, it seems like to to you know again once again give back and listen to his players and make this account and really keep his league going because he has the, the obligation to, of course, the owners, the, the people that, you know, hold the capital to kind of make this stuff work. But he's definitely giving his all to the players that put on night in and night out and make this league go and work. So shout out to him. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you as well, too. Um, so we got some more incoming news. The NBA tweaks coronavirus testing policy to allow players to return quicker. Um, so... As concern was growing that the league's playoffs could be compromised with the sidelining of players because of largely unavoidable coronavirus testing glitches, the NBA has tightened its protocol on retesting and allowing players a return to the court within a 24-hour window, according to league memo obtained by ESPN. Now a player returning an inconclusive result, which occurs in approximately five of every 1,000 tests, can still become eligible to play in a game that is within 24 hours instead of needing to wait 48 hours, the memo said. The player must test negative in an immediate retest upon receiving the inconclusive result and then return another negative test within 60 minutes of the scheduled tip-off of his team's next game. Teams fear playoff scenarios where a key player could be lost despite the fact that he hasn't tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, before this protocol change, there has been two, a two-day period of time that required two negative tests in successive 24-hour periods. The Sacramento Kings had a player with an inconclusive test last week who went through this process, and the NBA is testing players and staff every day in its 22-team restart at Disney's Wild World of Sports and has yet to have a positive test for the coronavirus among the players in the bubble. So um, this is pretty interesting. Um, I mean, as long as, you know, at the end of the day, players are staying safe and you're still able to get, you know, tested, um, then that's, it looks like it says within 24 hours, instead of waiting for 48 hours, I think you should be fine. Um, and we've proven that we've been disciplined, um, for the most part with everything going on as well too. So just want to give or shed some light on that as well too. Moving on to the next topic. Last week, Trey and I had, um, our NBA awards and, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, he was right. Um, so obviously I had my my scenario of why I thought that Nick Nurse should be the coach. And it was kind of funny because Nick Nurse was one vote away. And they would have had a three-way tie for coach of the year, which is crazy. But shout out to Trey. He saw the vision. Now <laughs> I didn't see, see the it. Vision, you know it's crazy saying? because right when he came out with his predictions, I was like, damn, like I'm literally thinking about that shit. Like, <laughs> yo, he's right. So Billy Donovan and Coach Budenhoser of the um, Milwaukee Bucks um, are basically co-NBA uh, Coach of the Year, which I personally haven't seen with my two eyes, or I can't really remember right now. Sorry if I'm inaccurate, but uh, this is cool because on one hand you got Coach Bud, um, who's proven what he can do with a non-superstar in the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. 50 games, got to the conference finals, had I think three or four all-stars that year. Mm-hmm. Then you finally give him a, a superstar – and they have the best record. And what was good is he essentially topped his record from last year. Um, and they look good. And then on the other side, you got Billy Donovan, um, who, you know, obviously is, you know, collegiate, you know, um, success speaks for itself. Um, two back-to-back championships with the Florida Gators when they had Al mm-hmm. Horford and Corey Brewer and uh, Joe Kim Noah and them boys as well too. So um, to see him transition into the NBA – and get that immediate success with KD and um, and Russ and KD departs and they still get in the playoffs each single year and you know when Damian Lillard breaks literally breaks up the team yeah. sending those two superstars <laughs> away and they get Chris Paul a lot of people try to knock Chris Paul and say yo this guy is essentially washed up you know what I'm saying um, but for them to come back and and no one in their right mind in their right mind thought that they were going to be in playoff contention. Yeah. For them to basically be shuffled around from C three through six seven ish all year long, um, and for Chris Paul to come in there and Shy coming there with new pieces because every year he's basically getting new pieces. So for him to do what he's been doing just speaks high volume. But. Um, Anything you want to say uh, to your coach, to your kid? <laughs> nah, uh, first, a uh, shout-out to uh, Coach Bud. Um, what he's doing in Milwaukee is very phenomenal. Um, you know, keep lead, uh, leading the young superstar and uh, Giannis and then the, the players around him. Uh, it just it's, it's solid, and they're they're definitely a threat to get to the championship coming out the East, top top two, if not number one threat to come out the East, definitely. Um, and then Coach Billy Donovan, I said a lot of it last week. Um, you know, just the team he has, the moving parts. So, and and, and even deeper than that, maybe this is a, a a clear indicator of how they should operate. You know, building the team through draft, which it seems like they have had good. And it, this could be from a coaching staff to coaching staff scenario, and maybe in accordance with the top management too, is about who they jab, how, how they build, um, you know, just do that kind of thing. Um, maybe you know, it's not let's get a superstar, get a superstar, get a superstar each each year. I mean, they did get Chris Paul going there, so he is a superstar. But maybe it's a let's sit back and like kind of slow cook this thing a little bit more, but also have a standard to which you know we are not gonna back down from, you know, you know, kind of a Spurs-esque type thing. You know, you have your one or two guys, but the rest of it, we're not going to try to make blockbuster deals. We're just going to, you know, establish identity and go search the players that are going to fit into our identity. Because I think, I mean, their identity was the superstars that they were. Their identity was Westwood Westbrook. It was, uh, you know, KD at the time. You know, James Harden didn't really emerge enough there to be an identity for the team. But they were so much... I identified by the superstars. They didn't have a true, like, oh, we do this, like, Houston plays fastball or, you know, the Spurs move the ball around. Now, you know, this team moves the ball around, plays very well on defense, definitely with uh, Roberson coming back, um, and, and and takes good and, and high-level IQ shots uh, with their kind of thing. So maybe they're, they're realizing as an organization, this is how we should build. Let's figure, let's try to do this for a few years going forward and see where it gets us. Because I think if you keep moving up and if not keep moving up, stay around and stay strong in where you're at, I think it could speak volumes for, you know, where you want to be and how to, you know, crack through the mold that you have been in. And what you could potentially, there's a potential of them to drop off and there was a potential of them to drop off with a Russell Westbrook leaving and, you know, not having the perennial powers that be on their team anymore, but they're doing very well. So it's up to them to capitalize off of it. And I think Billy Donovan uh, showing that he's a great coach 
for that currently and, and has been over the last few years is really dope. So shout out to them. Shout out to them. And like I said, that's my sleeper in the West. And obviously yours is Philadelphia, who probably maybe talking about <laughs> Ben Simmons, you goddamn liar. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> moving on from that, um, the Raptors, man, the defending champs are currently 2-0 in the bubble. Um, you know, their opening night, they they manhandled the Lakers 107-92. And um, just today, obviously it's coming out on Tuesday, they – they did well against the Miami Heat and won 107 and 103 as well, too. So, And I've been going on for episodes on top of episodes on top of episodes. Like, I think it's I think if you haven't seen it now, now it's time to essentially believe in the, so to say, baby dinosaurs of the past as well, too. I mean, just from the top down, from their owner to Masai Ujiri to – their coach, Nick Nurse, who, like I said, was only one vote away from being coach of the year, and just contributions from everyone, their depth. OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Kalo, Powell, the list goes on and on yeah. and on. They got depth, they got size, like I said, they got the coach, the GM, um, and the biggest thing that they have is they got their swagger, they got the confidence from being NBA champions as well, too. So they got that championship DNA they probably have the most chemistry um, in the NBA right now. Um, you know, they've been playing together for a couple of years now, so they know what it takes to get done, to get everything done as well, too. So are, are you a believer in Toronto? Uh, yeah, definitely believe in the capabilities. You can't knock the defending champs, you know, no matter what. They have to demand your respect. They didn't completely demand the team. They did lose a superstar, a complete superstar in Kawhi Leonard. But uh, just, just hearing them, you know, hearing the – Players, you know, give their reverence. Get hearing LeBron James speak their praise. Hearing, you know, you there's such a hard team to plan for because of all the different defenses they play. It takes a high basketball IQ. It takes high commitment, high constant. I don't say concentration, but just high uh, communications levels that a lot of people sometimes aren't willing to give. You know, communication. Uh, you can teach it, but it's definitely one of those things where you have to have a will and a want to do so, and you can't be, you know, very or, and do complicated defensive schemes and, you know, switch on the fly unless you are a team that is bought into that. So they're just really building off the momentum from last year, minus that piece that is a big piece in Kawhi Leonard. But uh, the coaching staff, the management, uh, the players that are accepting their roles and playing together, it just it's a testament. And they're only getting, honestly, better. Not Maybe not as good as they were last year with Kawhi, but they're only getting better from a team standpoint. Um Let's see with the with the Raptors versus the Lakers. Just some points. Siakam at fifteen. Uh, Anobi had twenty three. Kyle Lowry erupted for thirty three points. Um, let's see. Is that Norman Powell? Yeah, Norman Powell had eight off the bench. Uh, Van Fleet had thirteen. Um, so yeah, man. And Gasol had eight. So it's crazy because like today, I think. Kayla only had like 15, maybe like 10 and 5, but Van Vliet was the one to step up and get over 30 points. Yeah. So that just speaks to you. It's kind of really hard to prepare for them because anyone can erupt on any given night. By well committee. Too. By yeah, committee. So, yeah, shout out to the Raptors, man. Definitely a contender for sure. Another threat, again, top two threat to get to the uh, finals from the East. I'm, I'm going Bucks, uh, Toronto, and then Philly. Uh, the thing is, it could be a very interesting series with them and the Bucks, just because of their, you know, their veteran savviness. They have been in this situation before playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, they could give Milwaukee a lot more trouble than we're anticipating them giving Milwaukee. So we'll see what happens if they do get that far. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, you know, even moving on from there, excuse me, the uh, Boston Celtics, uh, we got a little taste of. Um, you know, everything as well, too. So when they finally came back, they ended up playing the Bucks, which was a hell of a game. A um, couple calls went here and there. You could argue that uh, the Bucks definitely shouldn't have been put in position to win that game as well, too. But um, aside from that, I mean, it was a great game. But what was interesting was a couple things. One, uh, they have this myth with Tatum <laughs> with hair versus Tatum without hair. So 
when they played the Bucks, granted that was open at night, but they were they were able to scrimmage as well too. Um, Tatum with hair um, only scored five points and was 11 percent from the field. And then when they played Portland the other day, which was a great game. Oh my god, that that game was fire. Yeah. Um, he had thirty four, eight and four, which is crazy. So. Are people just superstitious with, you know, headband versus no headband, hair versus no hair, switching shoes? Like, is there still forms of superstition in the league? I think uh, it just pays into, like, the mental toll. You know, there's so many moving parts to the league, and they're professionals because they find their rhythm, they find their repetition, and they do it crazy, you know, like any, any human type type things definitely better than the next man or the regular average human being so you know anything any little monkey wrench that goes into something that you did for 21 plus years of your life uh you know people are going to hone in on it and try to you know exploit it and it might even mess with you from a mental standpoint so uh with with the social media age and people throwing oh his hair you gotta cut his hair is that and that you hear that and you probably thinking to yourself like damn you know I was getting these results when I didn't look like this <laughs> maybe I should change up <laughs> even like regular dudes they'd be like dang I cut my hair you know I ain't got the juice no more these girls don't want me no more maybe you know now I got hair and these girls don't you know there's different stuff like that man so it just it just plays into the mental but uh, is it is it little part mindset? Yeah, yeah, little mindset, part superstition. So it, it all goes into how you approach it. But no hair Tatum, it's balling. Yeah, yeah. Makes me also think too. Like I, <laughs> I was bored and I was looking at his uh, his hairline from you know pre COVID and then post COVID. <laughs> I don't I don't think his barber is in the bubble right now because I'm on as sharp as it is. Because oh. I think he has the, him and Fred Van Fleet got like the sharpest the sharpest haircuts in the league. Yeah. But, I know he was sick. I know you know that too, Jason. <laughs> I know you sure. know that. But um, on more on more of an important note, I mean, obviously, like we said, Tatum struggled that first game, and he was able to pick it back up. But wow, um, their star power is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, honestly, Jason Tatum, twenty three this year. Kemba Walker, twenty one this year. Jalen Brown, twenty this year. Gordon Hayward, 17.4, um, and Marcus Smart giving you 13 and a half, and then everyone else, you know, adds what they have to add there as well, too. But you got legit four players that can give you, on any given night, 20-plus points, which is ridiculous as well, too. And I, and I think it's safe to say that Gordon Hayward is back now. Um, and, uh, I mean, from a wing standpoint, they have everything they need. Um, I think they're going to do well. Uh, with Kemba Walker, obviously he's on a minute restriction right now, but for the small amount of minutes he's playing, he's still being very impactful as well too. Yeah. So you can also argue that that's one of the reasons why they didn't beat the Bucks as well too. But I think they almost have everything they need to compete for a title. Now the only thing that I'm worried about is it really just depends on their matchup as well too. Yeah. Um, because you know Theus is okay, but he's only six eight. Um, and then obviously you have Ennis Cantor. He's about 6'10", 6'11", but he's not really known for his defense, more so for his um, inside game as well too. So my thing is, like, are they too star heavy? Um, will the lack of depth catch up to them, and will the size down low um, be something that's their Achilles heel for them moving forward? How, the, how, do you, how do you see everything panning out with them too? Because to me, I think they can compete with the Miami Heat. I think they can compete um, – you know, with the Bucks, even though the Bucks have size, but they're not really an inside-out type of team, more so perimeter. But uh, I feel like if they were to run into your 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 pick of your dark horse, the Philadelphia 76ers, there's no match for Embiid. Okay. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on the Celtics? Because I really like where they're going, but I have my concerns a little bit as well, too. But they, if I mean, they're basically the same team without, you know, Gordon Hayward. Um, not Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, when they got to the conference finals against Bronner um, two years ago. So. Yeah. They got the experience, so what are, you, what are your thoughts on all that? Um, first, I got to retract uh, what I said earlier um, and and go, I'm going to go. Oh, that's what he said. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to go I'm gonna go. Raptors, Milwaukee, Celtics, and then um, Sixers as top four. And, and, and a few of those are very much interchangeable. Honestly, a lot of those are interchangeable. I still think that Philly kind of solidifies themselves towards the bottom because we haven't seen any promise in, out of Philly. 
other than if you go back a year and watch them lose by jump shots, they're probably the third, the second best player in the league, Kawhi uh, Leonard. But um, the Celtics, like you said, going back to the matchup thing, it's really about who they kind of see. And I think you're right, and their inside presence is going to be a little bit tough if they do see Philly and they're uh, getting smashed you know, down in, in, in the paint is going to be a difficult time for them. Mm-hmm. But I think a more favorable matchup for them is they will want to see the Bucks a little bit sooner. Um, and, and any of these could be dragged out a little bit longer, but they probably want to see the Bucks a little bit sooner. Uh, they probably wouldn't mind the uh, Heat. That's a, that's a very, you know, running team against a team that can run with their long athletic wings as well, you, you know. And I think that they're – Lack of depth necessarily wouldn't hurt them as bad playing yeah. the Heat. Yeah. So and when you're in the playoffs, you're only going to play like eight players. Yeah, anyway, yeah. So. so it wouldn't hurt them as bad. I think it would be, again, a nightmare for them to, to have to face the Raptors too early on. You know, I don't think – I don't honestly think anybody wants the Raptors too early on, just knowing what they do from a defensive standpoint and what they're going to do to you. Um, so, but, yeah, uh, no hair, Jason Tatum – showing promise the rest of the guys even you said Kimball wasn't playing uh and that's going to be a big boost for them it just has to come down the stretch and uh you know have certified hitters man hopefully it's not one of those things where like somebody has to be super hot or super cold hopefully they they do have a go-to guy and they have a few guys that can take shots but the the thing is what's going to be telltale for them is who's going to take the final shot you know and who, who would that be for you on that team who has to take the last shot yeah I mean, it's going to come to the point, like I said, they're so star-driven that you're not even going to be able to double-team. It's going to become an ISO game, and Brown, Tatum, Kimba, okay. even Gordon Hayward can can can, can eat. But yeah. looking at everything, um, probably Jason Tatum, okay. just off the strength of what he's been doing uh, before the pandemic and went down, like he was going kind of berserk as well too. He's going stupid. Um, but honestly, it really just depends on when you switch, when you call for that pick, who who gets switched on, who has that favorable matchup yeah. because I, I trust all of them. So in order, I probably have Tatum one, two Kemba, and then three Brown, and then four Hayward. Okay, okay. Um, mm, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, Marlis wouldn't be too much – too different from that. Uh, we're talking numbers uh, from Portland. Jason Tatum had 34. Uh, I think you mentioned that. Gordon Hayward had 22. Exactly. And, we, and we very much – I don't know. We, you just kind of forget his, his his greatness. I mean, he has, you know, had the injuries and stuff like that. He looks like a different player out there. I think if anybody anybody would be after kind of that. But, you know, we, we haven't really seen Gordon Hayward kind of – if he will get back to it. But we haven't seen him be – who he was or who he could necessarily be. And his shots are different, you know, the 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 volume, the the spacing is different for him than when he was with with, with the Jazz with Utah. And uh I mean but but he's still very much a threat and a veteran threat at that. Yeah, so like, who knows? I think anybody would want Gordon Hayward as their number four option yeah, right yeah. now as well too. Like I said, I mean, he's been removed from the injury. Um, normally, with gruesome injuries like that, it takes, takes a damn near a full season to get back as well, too. So Not to mention the mental. I mean, physical, but not to mention the, yeah, the, the mental. mental or everything as well, too. So, um, for what he has to do, because I feel like now he's become more of a point forward. He, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, and his roles just changed as well, too. So, uh I mean, yeah, I think he's back. Um, yeah, but, he, I mean, we can't really truly see if he's back because Tatum has emerged, because Brown has emerged, because Kemba um, just signed with them this past offseason. So, um, I think he's scary, bro. He's going to yeah. be that that wild card in the playoffs for them as well, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. He, he's the matchup that would definitely uh, give he, the heat fits because I would think they would move Bam to a, a more guard-heavy player. Yeah. And – him kind of being over there eating would really it would be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, probably matches it pretty well against the Sixers, uh, even though he does stretch the floor. I mean, you have three players to stretch the floor as well as Kimba penetrating. You give it to Tatum or Brown, they penetrate. Um, they're they're a strong looking team. It's just you know what kind of rhythm are they going to have? What's up? <laughs> no, 
Oh yeah, yeah this yeah, guy yeah, is he's, he's different. But but he went off for fifty three points. What is that about? So we're talking about um, what's what's his name? Don't worry about it. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. So so I think the the Celtics stay stay on course, stay strong. They're gonna be uh, very much a wild card in the East. And 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 I say wild card is in you know them getting to the the, the finals per se. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Um, so I'm sorry if you guys heard me chuckle a little bit as well, too. It's really not funny, but it's just kind of unexpected. And maybe he's just been under the radar for such a long time. Um, but I was chuckling about TJ Warren, man. Um, <laughs> this guy's been hooping out his mind uh, he's, since the you know the games in the bubble have started. Um, so just to just give him some acknowledgement, he had 53 points against the 76ers. I think Joel Embiid damn near went for like 40, 41. They still lost with Victor Oladipo not being at full strength, with Malcolm Brogdon being out with his neck injury. Obviously, his opponents, who is their all-star, um, is eligible to. They still won. And then they also, uh, I believe, won again tonight against the Wizards, and he dropped 34. So the hot streak continues. Um, so TJ Warren, I just wanted to show you some love. Keep balling. I don't know what your schedule's looking like for the rest of the season. I'm going to check it after this. But I remember you and Jimmy Butler had beef, so I really want to see what you do if y'all play the Miami Heat again as well, too. Now, you know, going back to, you know, the first team that they played in the 76ers, we already talked about Ben Simmons. Um, you know, we, 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 like I said, boy who cried wolf, man. Um, no threes have been shot. Uh, he's looking like the same player from before. Yeah. Like, like, what do you think it is? You think he waiting until it's the last two games of the season? You think he's gonna wait till it's the playoff time? Like, what's going on, Ben Simmons, man? Can you fill me in, bro? <laughs> Your face told it all, bro. What? <laughs> oh man, I feel like I already like talked about this as much as I could talk about this. It's like when. Your boy uh, went through a breakup and he keep bringing up his ex. He's like, yo, all right, bro, we get it, son. Like, it's over with, bro. <laughs> or the dude that keeps claiming that every function he going to bring three, four shawties to the crib. <laughs> and, all, and all he got is, is midweed and Paul Masson. You know what I'm saying? Like, can't even get the Henny. Can't even. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> bro? It's like sometimes gotta, you got to grow. <laughs> I don't know what to say about Ben. I don't have anything to say. It just seems kind of redundant to talk yeah. about Mans. You know, like just he's not gonna shoot. Yeah, he's not gonna shoot. The trigger's jammed. Like he's scary. He, I don't. I don't I'm in, in a very respectful manner. I'm saying he's scary. I'm being facetious. Okay, I'm comedy style. But uh, nah, bro. He's not he's not regulating anything on the block. He doesn't have a chopper, you know what I'm saying? He's not balling because he has a block, you know what I'm saying? The gun's not fully loaded. There's no clips in it. He, you know, he's shooting dummy rounds. It's, it's, not, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Hey, <laughs> no, nah, I feel that, man. I feel that. Uh, it so, hurts. Yeah, so I just, I'm not going to get fooled again. Fool me once, shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice, can't put the blame on you. Fool me three times, fuck the peace sign, load the chopper, let it rain on you. And yeah. unfortunately, Ben Simmons is not doing that. So next. Next. Okay, next. So the Clippers, obviously, the uh, who I think you could say for the most part, it's been a back and forth between Battle, Battle of L.A. on who's going to be the prohibitive favorite as well, too. So um, opening night, they took the L to the Lakers, 103-101. Um, you know, for an early birthday present, um, that, that was a good matchup as well, too. Um, and they ended up winning against the Pelicans. They obliterated them 126-103 as well, too. So um, I'm not – a lot of people were saying that they're concerned about the Clippers. I was upset just off of pure emotion the first game that they played. But looking back at it, like, they do not have Lou Williams yet. He's still in jail. Sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's still in quarantine Yo, jail. I was – for a second, I was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo. Lou was just at a strip club. He locked up. He's in. How do you get locked up? He's in. Sorry, he's in. He's in quarantine timeout, guys. Yeah, chill out. He's in quarantine timeout. Still serving his time there. I don't think the ten days have been up yet. Um, and they and and they don't even have Montrezl here yet. I don't, I don't know when he's gonna come back. Um, you know, R.I.P. to his grandmother. That's the reason why he left the bubble. He kind of just relayed over to 
um, social media that his grandmother passed away. Now, for what she passed away for, I don't know if it was COVID, natural causes, some sickness, but prayers up to you and your family as well, too. But yeah. um, the fact that they're missing 240, I mean, com- two combined 40 points, the fact that they're missing two players who combined for 40 points a night gives me a positive sign. The fact that they didn't look, you know, really good that night, had a lot of turnovers, and still lost their Lakers by two shows me a good sign. The fact that Kawhi's been off of a huge break, obviously everyone's been off of a huge break, but when you watch that game, even though he almost went for 30, it kind of seemed like he was kind of a step slow and still he's treating this like a like a, like a preseason or a certain mm-hmm. type of uh, manner as well too. He hasn't even really turned on his zero dark 30 form as well too. So um, I like it You I mean because at the end of the day, when you think about it, they've only fully healthy have played nine, ten games together as well, too. So they're still figuring out things on the fly. So I think with these next six games, um, they're really going to you know, figure a lot of things out as well, too. And the positives that I'm viewing from this as well is Paul George. Um, Paul George, he said, um, obviously he came off that shoulder injury, but he's telling us because he had this long break, like he feels 100%. And he's proven that, averaging 29, 4-4 four and four with three steals. And what's crazy is he's shooting 64% from three right now. So um, he actually went silly the other night against the Pelicans. And they Get just really silly. got away. <laughs> they just really went away as well, too. But do you believe, given, given Paul George's track record um, with the Indiana Pacers, with his two-year stint with the Oklahoma City Thunder, do you think – he can be that legit number two option um, behind Kawhi Leonard um, and make a make a run to get to the promised land. Of course, I, of course, I do. Uh, Paul George has proven. I think uh, just seeing the stuff he does, I think I don't think that's any debate. <laughs> the funny thing is, um, <laughs> I was listening to the Button podcast and Joe's like, "Yo, like it's very clear to me that uh, Kawhi hates PG." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, if you pull up the game, right, like of them playing the Lakers and whatever like that, he's like, Kawhi passes him the ball. And if you look at Kawhi's face, like he's expecting to get the ball back. And like every time, like even like the last shot where um, Kawhi, uh, PG took the shot and LeBron was guarding him, Kawhi's just looking at him like, well, yo, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> like you know, like I brought you here. Like you passed the ball back to me. So it's funny. I got to recap it and actually watch it for accurate. You know, Joe's very facetious and he's just, you know, plays off the jokes. But it was just a funny take because he was like, you know, it's very clear that Kawhi hates Paul George's guts because, you know, Kawhi's going to take the last shot. And if Paul George thinks he's going to take the last shot, he has another thing coming, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, I think – all respect on on PG's name um, for for a second option and, and and for the tier of people that would be second options. I mean, he, he's a he's a first option caliber player. Is just that yeah, he's like a one B. He's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a one B. It's just with the teams that he, he's been on where he was the number one option. Maybe they didn't have the pieces around him to help elevate him to the to promised land. But with Kawhi Leonard on the team, he's certainly a one B. So it's like, yo, yes, there's no other debate about that. Like, he's the person you would trust to take those those shots. But if we look at the past and, you know, things just reprint, re- repeat and re-represent themselves, uh, Kawhi has to be the person to take the last shots if possible. Just just watching what he did to Philly, devastating the arena and the whole town, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. He has to be that person. If not... Cool. I mean, you double, you double check. You can open up uh, PG, and if not, maybe you get a better shot by a long, by a long. I can't say that. You get a better efficient shot and a better percentage shot from a third option going completely towards the rim. But it has to be Kawhi first, and then PG, and then if not, it has to be going towards the rim by somebody else. That's all it is. Okay. Cool. 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 And it's crazy to me. Like, yeah, Kawhi has definitely been. Um, they're closer uh, this year as well, too, and Lou Williams as well. So yeah. <laughs> when they fully like healthy, when they when they fully healthy and they and they come back, man, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna take off, um, and they're not gonna look back. So Facts. they get into the conference finals, and you know we'll see what happens from there as well, too. 
Um, another thing that I want to bring up was uh, Jonathan Isaac. Um, so <sighs> seems like this guy can't catch a break. He yeah, suffered man. a torn ACL um, in Orlando Magic's win versus the Sacramento Kings. So Orlando Magic big man Jonathan Isaac left Sunday's victory over the Sacramento Kings in the fourth quarter in a wheelchair after an apparent injury. And now sadly we know um, that he's, like I said, suffered a torn ACL on his left knee on the play. Uh, the recovery timeline for such an injury is typically around one year, so it's looking like we won't see him until probably next next season. She's um, as well too, and I believe that's the same knee injury that he had before in the past as well too. Um, so prayers going up to him as well too, and he was catching a lot of slack um, throughout social media because he was the only player um, with all the teams that have played that you know, decided to not, you know, take a knee for uh, Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and the social injustice slash police brutality has been going on as well, too. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe he said the reason why, um, let me see. It says the NBA star explained his decision by saying that kneeling or wearing Black Lives Matter tee don't go hand in hand in supporting Black Lives Matter and added that black lives are supported through the gospel. Um, and then in explains the decision, he said, I do believe that Black Lives Matter I just felt it was a, a decision I had to make, and I didn't feel like putting that shirt on and kneeling went hand in hand with supporting Black Lives. Um, I don't think that kneeling or putting on a T-shirt for me personally is the answer. For me, Black Lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel. So uh, I can see more so a religious, a religious background. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, everyone has entitlement to their own opinions as well, too. Um, and if that's what he believes, that what he believes at the end of the day I don't really have control over another individual as well too so um, seemed to me that he still was in I mean I guess his answers were justified but uh, yeah I mean I don't just really not that much to, to <laughs> say about it do you have anything to add to it? Um, first off uh, I think the hate's gotta stop with or not the hate but just um, we're gonna joke about it of course but please don't be super insensitive and, you know, he makes a living off of his body and, you know, talking about the ancestors didn't like that and stuff like that. And God forbid, ancestors forbid, you know, maybe they didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, on Twitter, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they went stupid on, on Twitter. Them. They were like, "You ain't want to need." God said, "You don't want to need, so we gonna take your knee away." Jeez. It's not even funny. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah, but uh, keep going, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, for yeah. Cutting it's, you off, it's, it's sadistic to say the least. Yeah. But uh, very, very. I can find some understanding in what he was saying, saying that yo, the shirts and the you know kneeling. Is not what's gonna help, you know, people. How he tried to tie it back in and say it's gonna be Christianity that's gonna help people and it's down the third. And maybe, hopefully, I'm not misquoting him here, but that's basically to, what he said the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to tie it back in and go from there, I think you have to be ultra willing. And I don't know if that's the hill you really wanna die on for this one. Like, I think you would be heard a little bit more and maybe I don't know because maybe you know they are looking to see what he has to say with the cameras in his face after he took such a bold stance but you could still be firm in your religion your beliefs and your relationship with God and still you know take a knee in support of support and in in unison with the players and the team around you you know what I'm saying and and it doesn't go to say that he's he is a black man, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, in a way, it's like, why aren't you doing this? So I think he could have got the same point off if he had kneeled and said, hey, I'm kneeling, but at the same time, I think, you know, we have to take this Christian lens on this and this uh, gospel lens on this and apply it to this. So yes, black lives do matter, uh, but if we really want to get to the root of it, it's just because we're all, as human beings, not treating each other the same. I think it would have been maybe taking a little bit better if he would have said something along those lines, but he caught flack for it, man. Is and and you know, there's, there's certain examples like, oh, you know, well, you know, Jesus would have been doing this, and you know, God and this, that, and the third. It's like you really, 
you're gonna get put under the eight ball and, and behind, and I won't say that because that's insensitive. But you're gonna get put to the fire when you take a stance as bold as that, and you're like, "Yo, like, what are you doing?" You kind of like you're like not selling out, but you kind of like you're selling out in a way. So, but bottom line in all of this, there's there's a lot of different ways to the same goal, and it sounded like he had the same goal, but he wasn't articulating it very well with the multiple message that he was trying to get across, as well as uh. Man, get well soon. We don't want to see anybody go down with an injury, regardless of your stances or your beliefs. Uh, you're, you're, you make a living from playing basketball, and an athlete's shelf life is short unless you're very much blessed. So get well soon, man. Uh, plenty of time for you to think about God and Black Lives Matter, and you'll be sitting down for a while. So just prayers to you, bro. I mean, honestly, what it looks like from the outside in is just someone who is kind of, and not, by by no means should you, by no means we're telling you to be, you know, what are you looking for? I guess the best thing I'm trying to say is, to my knowledge, it just seems like he's someone who's oblivious to everything that's kind of going on in a sense. Kind it of appears insensitive. It appears insensitive. Yeah, he's okay. just kind of uneducated in what's going on as well, too. So I think, um, you know, obviously he takes this time to, you know, first and foremost recover, get fully healthy as well, too, but actually mm-hmm. take some time to actually read um, and educate yourself on everything that's going on as well, too. So yeah. um, if you, I feel like if you did know that, then you wouldn't have a problem with kneeling as well, too. Okay. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, he can you know, figure some things out. And like you said, uh, God speak to you, my guy. God speak to you. My guy. My guy, my guy. Um, is there any trouble with the Lakers going on, man? I mean, they kind of struggled against the Clippers without a Lou Williams, Montrez, Harrell. Um, and they struggled shooting against the Raptors as well, too. And, you know, since LeBron's been in the bubble, you know, he's known post, I mean, you know, before uh, COVID, he was averaging... 25 and a half, 10, 25, 26 points, 11 assists, and eight rebounds, and shooting mm-hmm. basically 40% from the field, 50% from the field, and um, 35% from the three. Mm-hmm. Now he's only averaging with his two game sample size 18 points, 10 and a half rebounds, six assists, and he's shooting 38% from the field. And then with Anthony Davis, before COVID, 27, 9 and three, 50.8% from the field, and then um, during COVID, is dipped down to 24 points, seven rebounds, to three and a half assists, and he's only shooting 38 from the cent- 38 percent from the field as well too. Okay. Um, do you have any concerns with the Lakers moving forward um, so far? And um, do you think they have any form of weakness or anything like that? Um, I don't think you can really push the panic button on the LeBron James team until they get to the finals because LeBron James is going to find a way to get you to the finals, um, and that's just giving respect. Where respect is due, you know, look at his track record. It's like he doesn't show you any other uh, way of concern. And he has a much better team. People are always trying to push the panic button on LeBron James at whatever junction in the season, but he finds a way to get his team to the finals. And he might have a better team or quite a similar team or, you know, one of the best supporting players that he's ever had, ever, you know, ever. playing beside his side, or maybe will ever have. So, no, you can't. Push a panic on him. I think he's still getting himself back into it. And I think for all intents and purposes that this is very much a trial run for him as well. Uh, you know, coming in and, you know, kind of just, just low-key preseason play. They're already clinched. Their spot's locked in. Um, the real work and the real, you know, switch is going to come in the playoffs. So, God forbid it's Portland, which it, it looks like it damn near could be Portland if if – Things, you know, pop off like they, they could pop off. But I think the real grind comes for him, game one in the playoffs. It's, all this other stuff is here nor there. They're just trying to figure out some stuff, troubleshoot some stuff, figure out where their other support is going to come from, you know, with the different pieces they did, they did, you know, don't have currently or did lose coming into the bubble. So it's really a, a trial and error thing for as much as we say, oh, they're, you know, they're missing shots and this, that, and third. It's like, nah, it's, we have the first playoff spot clinched, and we just got to fine-tune some stuff. So when we get to the playoffs, we're gonna. this is what's going to happen, but we need to fine-tune some other options just in case it happens. So yeah. no panic for me. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, 
have been so many months removed from basketball. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they just picked up Deion Waiters, got J.R. Smith, they're working them into the rotation as well, too. So, yeah. like you said, they're just going to use these games to get the chemistry right. And um, once they get to the playoffs, then um, we're definitely <laughs> – we, yeah, like you said, <laughs> his track record speaks for himself. Speaks so for itself. There's no doubt in my mind where there's a scenario he doesn't end up, um, you know, in the conference finals going up against uh, the Clippers um, of that sort as well, too. So, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, do not worry about LeBron James and the Lakers. They do are not. fine. And at the end of the day, I mean, they lost a good, they lost to a good team to defend the champs. So, that, that's that. Uh Moving on from there, man, and we just kind of spoke. Well, you just briefly, you know, touched on, talk, touched on them. The Portland Trailblazers, man. Um, Dame time all over again, man. Dame's been averaging since coming back in the bubble 29 points, 12 assists, and four rebounds, literally putting the team on his back. They had a crazy ass overtime game um, against the Memphis Grizzlies, who I think they're going to be, you know, playing against as well, too. Um, they won 140 to 135. We saw Vintage Mello, uh, which was amazing. And, and we see Nurk is fully healthy um, with Zach Collins as well, too. Mm-hmm. Then they ended up, you know, uh, letting the game slip away from them against the Celtics. Um, and they lost 128 to 124. But uh, do you think that, you know, with everyone being healthy um, for who's available in Nurk, Zach Collins, um, it seems like they have their full roster intact. Obviously, Trevor Rees is missed right now a little bit, um, and he you know, couldn't come back to the bubble due to obvious reasons, and Rodney Hood towards Achilles as well, too. So um, that is a major blow, but I feel like they essentially have everything they need. Do you think they can um, do the impossible and and get that, that, that ninth seed to get a play-in versus the Memphis Grizzlies? Because they have a tough-ass schedule coming up, man. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, which well, the episode is going to be released uh, on Tuesday, yeah. um, they're going up against Houston. Then they have to play Denver. Then they play the Clippers. Then they play Philly. Then they play Luka and the Mavs. And then they end things with Brooklyn. Realistically speaking, they can only win one or two games and lose the rest of those over there too. But yeah. do you think they have what it takes to get that four-game, um, within that four-game playing mark to – you know, battle for the uh, battle for the AFC. Do you think Dame and Dame and the boys can handle it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they can. Uh, not saying that it will get done, but if any team can do it, it's them. It's Dame time. It's uh, they're gonna they were gonna steal games that we didn't know they were gonna steal before anyway. So they'll me being motivated and seeing their goal right in front of them. I think that's definitely a. Damn, they fouled the heck out of him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? Hey, why does he fall like that? We're talking about Zion, guys. We're watching this Pelicans-Memphis game. But, uh, yeah, yeah, if anybody can do it, it's Dame. Uh, and, and, and company, it, it seems like a tough matchup. But also, we don't know what these teams' strategy to winding down going into the playoffs is going to look like either. Yes, they're playing tough teams, but are they going to be at their toughest? Are they going to say, oh, it's Portland, you know, they're fighting for something. We already have this kind of thing locked in. You know what teams are gonna be like? Let's rest these stars, and then Portland goes gets their their stuff off, gets a a good lead, and they kind of coast from there. So we'll see what happens. I think uh, even the strongest teams on that list, there could be a slight discrepancy, and, and it could be a situational thing for what that team needs out of that game, and they might not really need that game. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's like I, I love their team. Um, they're pretty much secured with their front line, um, and they're secured with their guard play. But mm-hmm. I still feel like they're missing that two-way play that they've always wanted. I mean, obviously they got Melo, but mm-hmm. we all know Melo's more so known for his uh, godlike scoring abilities yeah. um, for, you know, most of his, uh, you know, you know, most of his time in the NBA as well too. So that's the only thing I'm worried about. And Boston did kind of expose their weaknesses as well too. So, um We'll see what happens with that, but uh, I think they would be the best matchup actually for the Lakers. I would rather see them play the Lakers as opposed to Memphis or San Antonio Spurs or yeah. the Suns or whoever else is battling for that as well too. So that 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 I wouldn't be surprised if that goes six seven games playing on a neutral site. 
no home court advantage. And um, like you said, you got Whiteside and you got uh, Nurk and Collins that can match up pretty well with Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard as well, too. Only person doesn't want to see them play the Lakers is probably the Lakers. So (laughs) that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes well, too. But, um, man, Zion and the the Pelicans, bro, like they're supposed to – they're, they're, they by every poll that was ever ran, like mm-hmm. they're basically saying that they're supposed to be the ones that essentially are able to play Memphis for um, the AFC right now. But yeah. they've they're one and a half games off. Tonight. Yeah, bro. Like it, it, like Lazion's, I think only playing like under. I think he's playing like fifteen minutes a game it's as well. Wild. Too. But it's kind of crazy because like obviously Torres Meniscus right when the season has started. Um, he was off for a couple months, came back looking great. Obviously, he played in spurts as well, too. But it's like mm-hmm. now you've had all this time to train, get your body and your knee even stronger. Um, my body. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, you left the bubble uh, for a good amount of time. And um, you, li- you you missed all the scrimmages as well, too. So it's like, do you think they're just being cautious with um, him coming back, knowing that they're that he's essentially their future and their best player? Um, or do you think they they're saying, "Yo, like, is it it's not really worth it?" You know, are, are we are we gonna tank? Like, like, what do you think is going on as well, too? And I think you should just let that young boy play, man. Like, yeah, what do you got to lose? Because at this point, what's the point of being in the bubble? You know, mm-hmm. I just <sighs> maybe I didn't invest hundreds of millions of dollars into you know a nineteen year old kid, so maybe I'm not the best person to ask this, but. Why not at this point? You know, it seems like he's healthy. He's 19. Like you said earlier, he's going to be as, as healthy as he's going to be, you know, ever. Yeah, ever. So, unless he, they know for sure he has, like, a nagging injury, you got to play that man, you know? Like, when is the real test going to come? You can't, you know, be cautious. That's how you get hurt, you know? You got to go all out, let adrenaline do what it's got to do. So, I don't understand it. Maybe, you know, somebody can educate me on why he wouldn't play in this scenario it seems like the best scenario for him to play, you know, because after this, who knows when the season is going to come back. Yeah, So I say play him, but maybe there's somebody smarter than me out there that's saying otherwise. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at it right now, um, they are – let me see. They are three and a half games behind Memphis right now. Um, so it's going to be tough because the Spurs have been winning of late – Portland split theirs. Sacramento won one. I think. I think Phoenix. Phoenix won two in a row, I believe. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who gets that last seed. So are you, are you pretty much sold on the Portland Trailblazers beating the odds and, and winning this thing and trying to battle Memphis for the AFC? Uh, I think that's the most plausible thing. But I think, I mean, being one and a half game back, I think. Uh, New Orleans could stick around, depending. I mean, we'll see how this, the end of this game goes and all, all things considered, but New Orleans could stay around. Portland would be the strongest choice. Uh, New Orleans, it, just because of how we've seen them approach this startup with their you know new star powerhouse player, they would be the second choice in that and so on and so forth. I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at their schedule – Obviously, the must-win game against them um, with Memphis. And then after that, they got the Kings, then they got the Wizards, then they got San Antonio, yeah. and they have Sacramento again, then they have Orlando. So, on paper, they should. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, like I said, ratings will go through the roof if the Pelicans um, and Zion go up against uh, the Lakers and LeBron as well, too. But from a competitive standpoint, I personally want to see – Dame, Dollar, CJ, Dame, Dollars, them boys go up against LeBron and AD. Like I, I that would that would fulfill everything. We them boys, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then I mean, the Spurs. Like I said, they won two games. They got Philly right now, Denver, Utah, New Orleans, Houston, Utah. Like so, it's the system is set up. Yeah, for New Orleans to be ahead. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're on their privilege shit right and now. And they're giving so. it away. <laughs> and they're giving it away, uh, which uh, is kind of funny. But, um, I mean, yeah, we'll see what goes on with that as well, too. So we're going to keep continue to monitor everything. And, you know, next week when we come back, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we're doing as well, too. Um, 
Last but not least, what I want to talk about, I know that fly or whatever is freaking Nah, that's cool. I'm like swatting no, no, that. No. <laughs> Earlier on in the, season, in the episode, if you look, I was moving my head <laughs> too. I was like, yo, what's going on? Um, but the last thing I want to talk about are uh, the the dynamic duo, um, the Rockets' small ball lineup, man. Um, James Harden and Russell Westbrook have been looking um, great um, right now, you know. Harden went stupid against the Rockets. I mean, I guess the Mavericks won 153-149 in another overtime game. And then they came back from damn near down, I think, either between the numbers of 7 to 10 plus against the Bucks three minutes ago as well, too. But mm-hmm. it seems to me that this small ball lineup is actually working. Now, obviously, it's a different team each and every single night, so it's kind of tough to prepare as opposed to – the playoffs, when you go up against one team, you have to prepare for them for two weeks as well, too. But they could be a matchup nightmare for a couple of teams as well, too, going into the playoffs. Um, and that's a scary first-round matchup because you have two MVPs. You have Mike D'Antoni, who's an offensive genius. Yeah. And they've literally finally built their team around Russell Westbrook, where shooters are everywhere. So it's one of those things where they, they have those snipers. And whenever they get dribble penetration between James Harden and Russell Westbrook, there's always a shooter open. And their philosophy is like, yo, we're going to attempt 40 to 50 threes a night. If we can make 30, 35% of those, then we're going to put ourselves in a good position as well, too. But I like how, you know, like I said, they went up against the Mavericks, who they can see in the first round, and it went up against the Bucks, who are the prohibitive favorite in the East. And to see James Harden, you know, battle through foul trouble um, and to see – him and Russell Westbrook actually play so well in the crunch because that's something that they've always been, um, you know, they've, they've that, that's something that's always, you know, stuck with them. What can they do when it matters the most? To see them both work in tandem um, really made me think, like, hey, maybe they can do this. Do you believe in their small ball lineup or that's going to ultimately be their, de- uh, their demise? Um... It's just one of those things, man. We, again, that's one of those things where we always get back to that same point where it's like, well, small ball be their minds, but I think they play us so well that it's, it's a strength uh, more than it's a weakness. Uh, definitely from like a, you know, get it and go kind of lineup standpoint. And if they are having a good night, you know, filling up the, the, the rack, the small ball doesn't even matter because, you know, you can get a point inside and they kick it out and be down the floor and score. Twice within, you know, you running a one offensive set. So it's all about volume for them. It's a, but it's about hitting that the, those those numbers when it comes to volume. They have the players that can do it. They have the people that can push. Uh, the thing is, when you know you get deeper into the to the conference finals and stuff like that, and in, in the in, yeah in the, in the conference uh, playoffs, uh, and, and things get more physical, and the game does have to slow down a little bit more. So. It, it it's that play, that style of play under those conditions, and it's like, will this work? So each year it's, it's, a, it's a dice roll, and you, you look at it, and, you know, I've seen people like, oh, they're undefeated when playing small ball and stuff like that. They're very good. Will it win them a championship? The great Kobe Bryant said he doesn't think it'll ever win them a championship, that kind of style of basketball. So if I had to rock with the GOAT, I'd say I don't see, the, I don't see it getting them over the hump. Does it look very good? Is it the Instagram shot that we all like to click on and like every time? Yes. She's going to pull up on your feed every freaking day. Like, every, like they pull up on your feed every year. But <laughs> is there going to be any substance to your relationship? Probably not, bro. Probably not. Right. It's the goat with the analogy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's all, that's all it is, bro. And shout out to all the Instagram shotties, man. Y'all look good. Y'all keep doing y'all thing. Keep doing y'all thing, We man. love you. Yeah. Uh, I don't. But I, I admire your hustle. I love um, you. Yeah, we I, we. I love all. DM you. me. I love all you. Yeah, yeah. You can do all that. DM um, me, please. But yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, like I harped on last week. I mean, James Harden has always been notorious for carrying his team um, and really not having that help he needed, and kind of being gassed by the time the playoffs start. So, if it's any time for him to go stupid, is right now, and he has yes, his sir. buddy right there, Russell Westbrook, who's been bashed as well too. Um, and I mean, when you look at it, every year they've gotten eliminated. Um, since James Harden's been there. I mean, only once has been the San Antonio Spurs. But other than that, it's been an all-time historic fucking team in the Golden State Warriors. So, 
obviously LeBron's on the West Coast right now, um, known as the best player. Kawhi's back there over as well, too. But only thing that's been stopping James Harden these past couple of years has been one of the best teams of all time. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, the push Wild West. That's 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 uh that's that's my last two cents for the end of the day. Any any last episode? I mean, uh, any last words? Any last words? Any last remarks? <laughs> Anything you want to say? Uh, shout out to AP AP Hoops. Shout out to her. Shout out to uh, Chosen One Gems. And that was again that was AP Hoops. Uh, her training joint. Uh, um, shout out to Chosen One Gen. Shout out to Gym Preps. Uh, our boys Manny Leak over there. Uh, all that. Um, so yeah, shout out to everybody. Um, you know, while people are going through tough times, but pouring into you know the youth, pouring into to grassroots level basketball skill development, and just uh, investing in people and, and creating relationships with people um, beyond you know their own and their close circle, and you know really paving the way. Uh, each day and keeping this game we love going in the hearts and the minds and in the communities that may be untouched, under, underfunded, and so on and so forth. So shout out to everybody out there that's doing that, teaching, uh, taking that responsibility, and, and just loving through these tough times. So that's all I got. And <laughs> Like all these other past episodes, and that was perfect. So <laughs> we're just going to leave it on that. Ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 88 of The Caesars Show. Make to, make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at Sir Caesars, at The Caesars Show, at TraderXXIV, and we are out. <laughs>